We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. Man, it's good to be here. If you are new, uh, welcome. I, uh, I hope you weren't uh, caught off guard by the uh, smell, the faint smell that lingered from Friday of cigars and chicken wings from men's night. I think we did break the record for most cigars smoked on a church property at one time. Uh, which was fun, but man, it was such a good time to be with the men. Shout out to all the guys who came. Man, let's celebrate them for taking that big step and being in community and growing. It's so good. They got a picture of me lighting up, man. I'm guilty as charged. Guilty as charged, man. Uh, But no, it was a great night, man. We had a great, great conversation, just a real raw, candid conversation about what it means to be a man in this day and age. And um, it was was sort of a a, a men tell all um, uh, conversation where we answered questions that came in from the women of our church. And so we're actually going to be dropping that conversation as an episode on the new For My Family, For My Future podcast that just launched this past week. And so you can find that on Apple, Spotify, all the things, YouTube, all that. Um, But here in the next few weeks, we'll be dropping that. We have new episodes every month. Monday. And so that is just a resource for those of you that are married, you got kids, or maybe you want to get married one day and have kids. You just want to build your family and build your future. Uh, it's just uh, our ongoing efforts to keep uh, helping your family navigate uh, issues. We got new episodes coming out every Monday. And then the only other thing I want to put on your radar, only thing I want you to mark on your calendar is October 22nd. Um, that's just about three weeks from now. Uh, we're going to be starting a three-week teaching on money. Um, and the, the, the reason we're doing this is really a, an outflow and a kind of an outpouring of what happened in the For My Family, For My Future series. That as we talked about family, we talked about future, uh, the number one thing I kept hearing from our church is that everybody's got problems with money. And, um, and it's not just like, you know, no money. It's not like, it's, it's, it's actually on both ends. You know, Mason, Diddy, and Biggie said it right when they said mo money, mo problems, but it's also true, no money, mo problems, right? So it doesn't matter if you got a lot of money or a little bit of money, money presents a lot of problems. And so we're just going to take three weeks and we're going to look at what Jesus and his earliest followers in the New Testament, how they handled money, whether they had a lot or a little, they were able to handle money in such a way that it did not have a grip on their life. Right? They, they handled money in such a way that they actually had peace no matter what their financial situation looked like. And that's what we want in that series is for everyone in this room, no matter what your finances look like, God wants you to have peace. And so we're going to fight for that in, this, in that uh, three-week series. So that's October 22nd. Mark your calendars. Don't miss it. But today, today, today is a celebration. All right, it's a celebration. We celebrate. Uh, last service we had six people get baptized and give their lives to Jesus. And, and it was... If I slip up here on the stage, the splash zone was in full effect last service, so it did not have time to dry. Uh, But man, we're celebrating, and so really what I want to do today is I actually want to preach a little bit of a shorter message today and just get straight to the celebration, but um, I, I, I want to do two things with you today in this message. One of them is celebrate what God is doing here, all right, because what the band was singing just a bit ago... They said, God is doing something, making a way for someone. God is doing something right now. It's true. God is doing something. Um, But I also, once we get past that celebration, um, I want uh, God, through his word today, to reignite a passion in us as a church for the mission that he has called us to. I want you walking out of these doors today feeling like we are burning red hot with passion and enthusiasm and inspiration for the mission that he has called our church to. All right, so celebration and inspiration, and then it's going to get wild, and we're going to walk out of here better for it. Sound good? All right. We got to celebrate. We got to celebrate what God's doing here. It's unbelievable. Um, I hope you feel it, 
right? I hope you feel it. And I know right now it's happening. God is doing something, right? Making a way for someone. God is doing something right now. There are people in this room who are coming into a a relationship with God like they've never had before and their families and their futures are being forever changed. There are young people in this room. They're being raised up to lead like never before. God is doing something, making a way for someone. God is doing something right now. I see it, I see it, I feel it, but you know, like even, even if you're not like a feely person, right, the, uh, the data and the metrics say that God is doing something, <laughs> All right, you need to know this past September, last month was 20% larger than the last September, which was 20% larger than the last September, which was 20% larger than the last September. Do you see a theme? <laughs> I mean, look around, man. This, this place is getting packed and that's beautiful. But you know, it's, it's, it's not just attendance that's growing. People are taking steps of faith. People are giving. People are serving. We've got people piling into small groups right now. I mean, I just, I told y'all over the past year, it's been so hard to get people back into community. And, and just this past month, we've had more people piling into groups than we've had in years. God is doing something. He's making a way for someone. God's doing something. And, um, and I, I think that uh, we got to stop and pause and appreciate that. You know, there's a lot of times in life when we let exceptional things become expected. We let, we let God, the, 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 the movement of God just become kind of normal. But you need to know that there are churches across the country that are not experiencing this. I talk to pastors all the time and they're not experiencing what God is doing here. God is doing something right now. It's a celebration and, and we're going to celebrate more people getting baptized today. I mean, the party is going to continue, right? It's beautiful. God's doing something, right? Um... But I want you to understand that um, there was a season where the question we were all asking as a church, and I preached this before, I'm going to keep preaching it. There was a question we were all asking in a certain season of our church not long ago, and we were asking, are we going to make it? And I just think it, it bears celebration, it bears pausing and reflecting and really giving God at least five or ten seconds to celebrate that that chapter of our history is over. It is no longer a question of are we going to make it. The question is how far are we going to take it. It is not, thanks to the sacrifice of so many and the movement of God, it's not a question of are we going to make it. It's a question of how far are we going to take it. And, and, and when I see what God is doing in the life of our church, there are things happening behind the scenes. There's groundwork being laid in our church right now that some of y'all know about, but most of y'all don't know about. But it's going to change the trajectory of our church. And, it's, and, and so when I see that, I see what God, like where God wants to take this church, I see it. And it's such a beautiful, amazing ministry that he wants to keep building here. Because I see things happening. Like in the background, there are discipleship initiatives that are being worked on and planned out and, and strategized and, and, and for, for our whole church about to be rolled out that are going to help everyone in this church grow. It's a beautiful thing. We can't just reach people. We're going to talk about today. It's, it's both reaching and growing. And there are things happening. There are global missions initiatives that are being talked about. And the groundwork is being laid for so that our church isn't just impacting a city. It's impacting the world. It's impacting kids and people across the world. God is doing something here. And the question of how far are we going to take it? Well, Part of that answer is when you look at God, where he wants to take it, and I see the groundwork, but God, does ne God never does stuff like this alone. He always does it in partnership with people. And so, I think the real question we're, we're asking today, and the real thing we're exploring is, will you partner with God and make the great calling of your life 
the great mission of your life, this initiative to make heaven crowded. Will you make that the great calling on your life? Will you, will you give your life to this idea that the growth that we have experienced so far is a drop in the bucket compared to what God wants to do? You look around, and I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. This is great. I love it. Like, there's nothing better than preaching to a room full of people that are with it and a room full of people. It's like, it's good for the preacher's ego. But, like, let me tell you, it, there was a time not long ago, and Shara's in the back. She's running cameras. She remembers this. Her and her husband, Pete, were there about two years ago in the midst of COVID when we were at a different building, and she was there on a fateful morning when there were about 19 people in the room, and the, and the heat had gone out, and I was preaching in a winter coat to 19 people. It was a cold morning. It was an angry sermon. <laughs> and it's beautiful to see this room. It's beautiful to see the people watching online. It's, it's beautiful, but come on, come on, come on. Let us not become content with the success that we've experienced because it's a drop in the bucket. Thousands of people are moving to this city every single year. Thousands of people who need to be reached. Church growth is not keeping up with population growth. There are people moving this city all the time who still need Jesus. There are people who've been living this city for years who still need Jesus. We cannot become content with the people we've reached. We, we cannot become content with the people that we've baptized. God wants us to make heaven crowded. God wants us to grow this thing. And I know, I know, I know, I know. I know what some of y'all are saying. I know some of y'all are skeptical. I know some of y'all, especially if you're watching online, because you're, you know, online keyboard warriors, you can say what you want, I get it. I know some of y'all are thinking, because I'm skeptical by nature too, some of y'all are thinking, man, is the preacher on stage saying that um, he wants to just grow the church and have a bigger church? Let me, let me answer that question, that skepticism really clearly. Yes. Yes. And, and I want to I add some clarity to that. I believe with all of my heart that God is calling us to make heaven crowded. I believe with all of my heart that God is calling us to have a bigger heart for people. And I can't figure out the math that, 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 that shows a bigger heart for people, not equaling a bigger church. I can't figure that one out. If you, I'm, I'm pretty good at math, but if you can solve that math problem where a bigger heart for people doesn't equal reaching more people, man, you better at math than I am. I think God wants us to keep going. I think God wants us to get to a place where this room can't contain what God is doing, where we gotta buy the, 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 the chiropractor next door. We gotta put him on a different, in, on different building. We gotta go down here and make Sprouts a handsome offer because we gotta push these walls out. We gotta go, we'll keep the liquor store, but we'll build on the other side of it. I ain't gonna put my man Hoon out of business, man. We gonna, gonna keep him around. I think God wants us to make heaven crowded, and I, I don't know how to make heaven crowded without having a bigger church, but I want to be very clear. This whole make heaven crowded thing, it is not my thing. It is not my ego, because I want to be very clear, and I want to open up my soul to you for a little bit right now. Um, it's so funny that God has me preaching this message. I, I, I preached a version of this at our worship night about a month and a half ago, and I, I've, I've adjusted quite a bit of it for today, but I knew after I preached it at worship night, I knew I wanted to preach it again today. But it's so funny because back then, my wife and I, about a month and a half ago, we weren't having the conversations that we had this week. Because this week, the only thing my wife and I have been processing and really talking through are, the, are growing pains. Growing pains as a church. You need to know, uh, having a bigger church, reaching more people, it actually makes my life way more complicated. It means I disappoint way more people. It means way more people don't like me. It means way more people take shots. It means way more problems to solve. It does not make my life easier. No, it, come on. My idea of a good time is not 
like thousands of people wanting to talk to me. I like to sit up in the mountains alone. But the calling that God has on my life and the calling that God has on your life, it is irrespective of your comfort level or your, your ability to handle people. No, no, the calling God has on your life is to make heaven crowded, whether it's comfortable, whether it's safe, whether it feels good or not. I want to prove to you today from Scripture, from the very words of Jesus, that make heaven crowded is not my thing. It is not Peak City's thing. It is God's thing. Okay? So I want you to open your heart and open your mind up to what God wants to do in your life today. I, I, I want you to open yourself up to be inspired to let, not, not from me, but let the words of Jesus inspire you to double down on the mission that he has given us to double down on your conviction and, and your commitment that there is nothing greater that you could spend the rest of your days on than making heaven crowded. Are you ready to go? Let's go, let's go, let's go. I, I ridiculed first service, just so you know. I said, are you ready to go? And nobody said anything. And I said, 11 a.m., going to kick your butts when I, when, I, when I ask that question. All right. You ready for this? You ready? Luke chapter 14. We're, we're in Luke 14. We're going to be in verse 16. It's a story that Jesus told illustrating God, heaven, the mission, everything we're, we're doing together. Okay, it's a story to illustrate how he sees it. It says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet. It's a, it's a what kind of banquet? It's a great banquet. It ain't your run-of-the-mill dinner. It ain't like he popped in a few DiGiorno's in the oven and said, come on over. It's a great banquet. It's a feast. We'll come back to that. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to tell those who had been invited Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now, this is where I know Jesus knows what it's like to be a pastor. Because as a pastor, I've heard my fair share of church people excuses over the years for why they can't be a part of what God is doing. So I, I sympathize with the sarcasm that he says all this with. He says, they all like began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Like, you've got to go see that field on Sunday morning? <laughs> you can't see it on a Monday. You can't see it on a Saturday. You got to see it on a Sunday. It's a Sunday only field. All right. Okay. I don't know, man. You do you. Another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. What do you think? Like, try them out? What do they do? They're pack mules. They haul carts. You think you got like gymnastic oxen? You think you're going to be flipping somersaults? Try them out? What are we talking about here? <laughs> I can just see him saying this with such sarcasm. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. That's the only legit excuse. Anyone, you ain't wanting to start that marriage off wrong, man. You know that husband's like, we just got married, and her body's a wonderland, and I'm about to explore. The, <laughs> the servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor. Bring in the crippled, bring in the blind, bring in the lame, bring in the people that don't fit, bring in the people that aren't religious, bring in the people that think they've screwed up their lives too much for God to redeem them, bring in the people who think God would smite them with a lightning bolt if they walked in the doors of a church. Go bring in the misfits, bring in the people who think that God's given up on them. Go find anybody. Yes. Sir, the servant said, I love this. He's like, I, I know you, I, know, I knew you were going to ask that. What, you've already, what you ordered has already been done. I already tried that. And there's still room. There's still empty chairs at the table. There's still room. And the master told his servant, keep going. 
Go out to the roads and the country lanes. Go out, go out, go out, and compel them to come in. That my house will be full. Make heaven crowded. He didn't say might. He said my house will be full. Make heaven crowded crowded. It ain't my thing. It ain't Peak City's thing. It is God's thing. Let me tell you, the elders of this church could attest to this. The more we grow, the more problems we have to solve. The more we grow, the more money we have to raise. It is not easy. It'd be so much easier just sit around and be content with the people we've got. Oh, man, it'd be so much easier. It's not our thing. It is God's thing. He said, here's the situation. You're supposed to go. You're supposed to go. See, I, 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 I feel like we need to take a little pause for just a second and talk about heaven. Um, heaven, you know, when we say make heaven crowded, uh, I, I think we need to talk about heaven for a minute. Because heaven has become this thing that preachers in the 21st century shy away from because preachers in the 20th century really screwed it up for us. Right? But the, the, the hellfire and brimstone preachers of the 20th century who said turn or burn, who said that the way of Jesus is just fire insurance, who said that the way of Jesus was just, you know, say the sinner's prayer, it's your get out of hell free card, but go on and live your life however you want. Just say the sinner's prayer, raise your hand, and it's all good. They really messed it up for us because we know the way of Jesus is more than that. Right? The way of Jesus, like when you follow Jesus, it actually changes your life right here, right now. That like eternal life, when you say yes to Jesus, eternal life begins the moment you start following Jesus. Right? You start walking in his ways, you're walking in eternal life. When you reach death, that's just the crossover point from you walking with Jesus when you couldn't see him to you walking with Jesus when he's right there with you. Eternal life begins the moment you say yes to Jesus. The preachers of the 20th century really messed this up for us, but that doesn't mean that we can let them uh, go and do that and not reclaim it. Because heaven, when you actually think about it and you actually consider what we can learn from this text about heaven, heaven should inspire us and equip us to make the mission of God the most important thing in our lives. There are just two things that we see, obviously, from the text that I want to point out to you today about heaven. The first one is that heaven will be better. Heaven will be better. It's not a good banquet. What's the adjective they used? It's a great banquet. It's a great banquet. It's going to be better. You see, I... I I know the problem with the whole phrase, make heaven crowded. I know. It was a, I, I know. It was a dope wall mural. It looks dope out there. Dope merch. Still available, but it's dope. It's a great, yeah, all that. But I know the problem with it. I know the problem is that when, I, when, we, when, when, when we put that audacious word at the end, make heaven what? Crowded. The problem is most of us hate crowds. Me included. By show of hands, how many of y'all hate crowds? Look around you, we are the majority. <laughs> okay. I hate crowds most of the time. Right? Because in my experience, crowds, when people are crowded for something, when people are gathered in masses for something, the quality of the product, the quality of the experience rarely merits a crowd. This is why I don't like going to, you know, big sporting events, you know, like the Denver Broncos. I know it's a cheap shot, but like y'all know, the quality of football right now Dolphins dropped 70, a 70 piece, a 70 piece on the Broncos last week. The quality of football does not merit the crowd. And come on, I'd rather sit at home and watch it on my couch and get a much better view. And I ain't got to fight the crowds. I ain't got to fight. I'm, I'm, come on. I, I, I used to work for Apple. 
There was a brief stint in my life. I had a mid-20s crisis where I was out of ministry and didn't know if I wanted to get back in. And so I worked for Apple, and they stuck me in the back of one of those crowded Apple stores. I mean, there's like a, that's like a layer of hell is a crowded Apple store. I'm, I'm convinced that will be a certain level of hell. You just hang out in a crowded Apple store. And they stuck me in the back teaching people how to use Apple computers. But I still had to sit there through the crowds. And these people crowd. They camped out. People used to camp out. This wasn't long ago. For new iPhones. And, and like the only thing that was different was they added one camera. And, and, and your pictures still suck. <laughs> like you, you're, like it's not like you're an amazing photographer. It's okay. Like the, 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 the quality does not merit the crowd. But I think you need to understand heaven in its proper context. Heaven will be better. Heaven will be better. You don't understand. The quality of what you're going to experience, the quality of what you will observe, the quality of what you will be with, it will absolutely, there is no crowd size that could ever outpace the quality of what you will experience in heaven. When you get there, there will be no sin, there will be no sickness, there will be no disease, there will be no death, there will be no suffering, there will be no evil, there will be no, no, no um, bad motives, there will be no uh, surprise bad days. There's going to be nothing like that. It's going to be pure perfection. The way God always intended the world to be, you will experience it. But much better than what you experience, who you experience. Because you will be face to face with Jesus. You will see him in all of his glory, in all of his love, in all of his compassion. You'll see him perfectly. See, like right now we worship, right? We stand in this room and we worship. And we try to create this like immersive experience for you where you can just block out the rest of the world and sing to Jesus. And even then, for some of us, it's easier to just close our eyes. Like we're trying so hard to block out the world so we can focus on God, right? In heaven, you will stand before an almighty God with eyes wide open in complete amazement of who he is. There will be nothing that separates you. And I know some of y'all go, man, I don't know about heaven. Because it sounds like we just stand around and sing all the time. And I don't like to sing. You don't understand when you behold the beauty of who he really is. And you see him in all of his splendor and all of his power and all of his mercy and all of his compassion. When you see him, you will sing for a thousand years and it'll feel like five minutes. You will sing for 10,000 years and feel like we just getting started. You will sing and it'll never be enough because of how good God is. You will see him. I'm telling you, heaven's going to be better than anything you could ever. The Bible says no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend what God has in store for those who love him. You, you, can't, you can't fathom it's going to be better. It's going to be better. And the crowd size, oh, it, you will never think that the quality doesn't merit the crowd. Heaven's going to be better. But not only that, I want you to see the second and last thing I want to tell you about heaven. It's not like heaven's going to be better. We have a guarantee from God in this story that heaven will be bigger. It will be bigger than what you anticipate. There will be people that are saved by the grace of God that you can't believe he forgave them. There will be people there that you go, what? You? And they'll look at you and go, you? It's going to be bigger. Jesus says, you should go out, go out to the country lanes. Go out and invite. Go out, go out, go out. So that my house, what? Will be full, not might be full. It's not, a, it's not a wish. It's a guarantee. There will be millions and billions of people every single week gathered to worship God in heaven. We'll have a little peak city uh, uh, section in heaven, right? But it's going to be among billions of people 
It's going to be bigger. It's going to be bigger. The house will be full. You see, here's the question. It's not, it's not a matter of will heaven be bigger. It will. The question is, will you partner with God and make the great aim of your life and the great cause of your life building that crowd, getting as many people to Jesus as you possibly can? Because he's going to do it. He's going to do it whether we say yes or no. We just got to decide, are we actually going to take up the cause and make the mission that he has given us the greatest mission that we were intended to live for? And, and, and I believe, I believe that it is the greatest attack on the, on the church in the 21st century in America is to give up on the mission of God. I want to step on some toes right now. Can I? Two people permission. That's all I need. Based on this, this text tells us heaven will be bigger. Heaven will be bigger. Heaven will be bigger. It is going to happen. Make heaven crowded is the mission of God. But based on the way that a lot of Christians behave and a lot of churches function, you would think that the story reads a little different. Based on the way a lot of Christians behave and the lack of urgency with which they treat the mission and, and, and the way a lot of churches function, the holy huddle that almost every church right now in America is, you would believe that the story reads a little different. You'd believe that it reads that the servant went and invited people and they had lame excuses and then he goes out and he invites more and comes back and says that there's still room. You, based on the way some Christians behave and some churches function, you'd think that the master responded by saying, that's okay, no big deal. Let's just have an intimate dinner party. Let's just, let's just have deep conversation with the few that are here. That's okay. It's no big deal. Come on. Yeah, we invite them. We, we tried. Let's just enjoy the evening together. And the master had a beautiful dinner party with his quaint little crowd. I had a pastor last summer. I won't tell you what town he lives in or serves in, but it rhymes with Solorado Krings. And he told me straight up, he said, hey, um, we have given up. Our church has, has made the full decision to give up on inviting people to church. It is no longer part of what we do. I will no longer ask my people to invite to church. We will no longer assume that there are new people coming in. We're, we're done with that. And I said, say it again. He said, yeah, we're, we're out on that. I, I, you need to understand, I am not making this up. I know a story like that, you go, like a, in a church like ours, that sounds so incomprehensible. This is, this is the temperature of so, this is the disease that is infiltrating the American church right now, is neutering the mission, giving up on the mission, and assuming that everyone already believes. He said, yeah, we, we've given up on it. I said, well, tell me more. Like, why? What, what led you to that decision? He said, well, um, our church hasn't grown and the past few years, I've tried myself to invite people to church, and no one says yes. I said, so you, you're going to let your failures, you're going to let your rejections influence the entire strategy of your whole church? And then I said, man, he said, he said we're just, we're just going to focus on growing the people we have and making sure that they hold on to their faith in the midst of a culture that is so horrible and so anti-Christian and it's so evil. We're just gonna, we're gonna help our people grow. And that, that, that's, that, that's our great calling as a church. And I said, well, you know your church is gonna be dead in like 30 years. You're basically just saying that you, are, you exist to help these people die and that's it. If you are not growing, you are 
dying. Come on, man. What are, what are we talking about here? Just th That was last summer. This summer, this is like two months ago, I had the leader of a Christian organization in this town um, tell me, PD, uh, your, the, the mission of your church and our mission is just different. You exist to reach people. We exist to grow people. I said, no, 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 hold up. We exist to reach and grow people. That's the mission of the church. It's never one or the other. But, so don't, don't, don't character our, our church. Don't, don't, don't pigeonhole us. We exist to reach and grow people. But they said, well, well, we don't exist to reach people. This is the leader of a Christian organization in this town. They said, our goal is to recruit and attract Christian families and help them grow and help them be strong and help them have a great, nice life together. These are, these, are, these, are, these are conversations being had among Christian leaders. And guess what? They will get tons of money donated to them. <laughs> oh, y'all, I'm, I'm at 11 right now, man. I've, this is my fourth week preaching in a row. I start rambling on second service after this point. The easiest way to build a church and raise money in this town is focus on growing Christians. Ain't nobody want to talk about the truth, but that's the truth. Easiest way to raise money and build a church in this town is just give the Christians what they want. And that's what almost, there's just so many. And I know, I know when I say this, some of you are like, man, he really hates other churches. No, I don't hate it. I love other churches. It breaks my heart to see the potential of other churches being robbed by the enemy, discouraging them. We should have a whole host of churches in this town that are sold out to making heaven crowded. I don't hate the other church. No, I love them. And I just don't want them to give up on the mission. It's not my thing. It's God's thing. And here's the truth. We can either say, God, I will, I will devote my life, no matter what my calling is, no matter what my career is, whether I'm, I'm making a lot or I'm making a little, no matter what, I'm going to devote my life to wherever I'm at. I'm just going to try to get as many people to you as possible. I'm going to try to make heaven crowded. I'm going to try to help as many people as I can discover Jesus and follow them fearlessly. That's what I'm in on. If we won't say that, here's the truth. God will let our church die gladly, and he will raise up another church to go do it. I had a young pastor from South Carolina reach out to me. I'd never met this guy in my life. He saw me speak at a conference years ago, like 10 years ago, and kept up with me somehow, and he reached out. This is, so he, he saw me when he was you know, late teens. He's in his mid to late 20s now, and he just reached out, and he's like, I feel like God wants me to start preaching, but I don't know how to preach. I feel like God wants me to be a lead pastor, but I don't know how to lead. I, 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 like, can you help me? And I thought in my mind, of course, of course, because this is what God does. If the church is going to give up on the mission, guess what? He'll let all those churches die, and he will raise up new pastors and new leaders and new churches who will make heaven crowded. It's going to happen, whether you like it or not. He says, my house will be full, not it might be full. It will be full. It's just a question of whether or not you're in. And so really, really, I guess what I'm asking you, I guess what God brought me here today to ask you is, do you really believe in the church that we are building? Because... We are building a church. We are building a church where those who didn't grow up with faith meet Jesus for the first time, and those who did grow up with faith meet Jesus like it's their first time again. Do you believe in that kind of church? We're building a church where destructive lies about God and ourselves are dismantled, and we step into the truth that leads to freedom. Do you believe in the church we're building? Because we're building a church 
where the skeptic can belong before they believe, where the one who doubts sits next to the one who praises, because God's at work in them both. I mean, don't, don't you believe that the world needs a church and churches that will make room for people who have doubts? Don't you believe that the church should be a place where someone who is skeptical of faith is welcomed into the family of God? and that they aren't forced to drink the Kool-Aid like everybody else until they are ready to give their lives to Jesus? Don't you believe that we're building a church where we make life-changing decisions because the Holy Spirit of Jesus is here and we won't let the word of God fall on deaf ears? Or do you think we need more churches where they just play church, pretend church, and walk out the doors unchanged every week? I mean, come on, we're building a church where we get raw about our struggles because pretending doesn't do anyone any good. Where we passionately worship and serve Jesus because he's too good to keep to ourselves and where we make the gospel message clear because our world is desperately confused. Do you believe in the church we're building? See, because we are building a church and I don't care. Oh, man. I can't, if, if some of y'all are really good at math. I feel like I'm decent at it. If you can figure out the equation where a bigger heart for people results in a smaller church, awesome. Even if it were to happen, even if this church were to shrink to 50 people, 15 people, we are building a church and we will preserve and pass on this sacred mission to the next generation because the church is God's plan A to rescue the world and there is no plan B. I don't care if it's two of us and our kids and a handful of other families, we will do whatever it takes to pass on the mission of make heaven crowded to the next generation. We will continue to have our worship team led by young people. We will continue to raise up Peak City Youth and Peak City High to be the next preachers, leaders, and teachers. We're gonna keep doing, we're gonna keep handing off this church to young people because we cannot, the disease that is infecting the modern church of giving up on the mission, I'm, I swear to you it's not gonna happen here. We will make sure that the young people of our church know that their great calling in life is not to make money, it's not to get into the right school. Those are all great little signs. The great calling on every human life is to make heaven crowded. Come on, come on, come on. Jesus said this. Jesus' last words he said before he was gone were what? Go! <laughs> they weren't stay. They were go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in my name and teaching them to follow my ways. It was make heaven crowded. He didn't say create a holy huddle and just huddle up guys and just wait for heaven. It's going to be good. I promise one day. No. He said go. And we are going to preserve and pass on that mission. I swear it's the number one aim of my life to make sure that my three kids grow up and they have a heart for people that do not know Jesus. If I did that, I don't care how much money they make. If they did that, I don't care about their success. I don't, I, if, as long as they understand the mission of God, they can have fulfillment and joy and purpose in this life in every season. We're building a church. And so I just wanna know, do you believe in what we're building together? Not what I'm building, what we are building together. And you know, I think if Jesus were here, you know, that's like one of the things I always think through. If, you know, Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here, active in this room right now. If Jesus were here in the flesh and I could hand him the microphone and no longer have a job. Now, I often think through like, if Jesus walked in right now and I handed him the mic, what would he say? And I feel like the, the thing he would say right now to our church is keep going. 
keep going. Now is not the time to be content. Now is not the time to take our foot off the gas. Now is not the time. No, no, no. Keep going. I think Jesus would say, remember the great lengths to which I went to rescue you. Remember how far I went when I stretched my arms out on the cross to die for you. Remember the great lengths to which I went so that you could be forgiven and saved and free. Remember how far I went and go and do likewise. Keep going, keep going, keep serving, keep giving, keep inviting. Don't let off now, don't let off now. Don't compare yourself to another church in town. Who cares about the other churches in town? There's a lost world that's dying outside these walls and our heart has to beat for them. I think he would just say, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. You're on the right path. Keep going. Keep going. I don't care how tired you are. Don't grow weary and tired of doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. Keep going. Keep going. And I think that for some of you, your call to action today is simply to pray and say, God, I need you to reignite the fire inside of me for your mission. And just let God let God minister to you in these next few songs. And, and as we baptize people, maybe, maybe your action step today is when someone's getting baptized and we're celebrating them, you are putting yourself back in their shoes and remembering what it was like for you when you gave your life to Jesus, when your fire was burning red hot for him and say, Jesus, may, help me believe in you and see you like it's my first time again. And let that fire burn hot again. But then for some of you, I think today's the day you just need to say yes to Jesus finally. You stop delaying, man. When we say make heaven crowded, you're supposed to be there. You're supposed to join the family of God and you've been pushing back and resisting for too long. And not only are you supposed to be there, you are needed in this mission. And until you go all in, until you are not doing one foot in and one foot out, foot, uh, one foot out if, if, um, if you're at Men's Night, you remember Sherwin saying this. The key is you gotta be in with Jesus, both feet. Some of y'all need to make that your decision today. And to say, I'm forsaking all others, and I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm a, you don't have to have your life cleaned up. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You just got to be ready to say yes to Jesus. And that's the decision you need to make. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us in just a minute. And we're going to worship. And I'm going to walk off the stage. And I'm going to go through those two doors on the side. And if you're ready to get baptized, meet me over there. We got everything you need. We got shirts. We got shorts. We got towels. We got undies. I always have to clarify unused. We got everything you could possibly need and let's make this a day where heaven becomes more crowded because you're there, because you've decided to give your life to Jesus. And for the rest of us, man, let's let this moment just fill our church up with passion so that we leave here changed today. Will you stand with me to your feet? Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we love you and we trust you with our church. It's your church anyways. We don't even need to tell you that. You're going to do what you want with this place. But Jesus, we freely give it over to you. And we ask you to empower us. Jesus, would you let the conviction of your mission burn red hot inside of us? God, would you let us believe that we can forsake all other callings in our life and just focus on your mission, just focus on your truth, just focus on your love. God, we want that church, we want that, that, that sentiment, that, that fire to burn red hot in this place, God. So would you do it over these next few songs? And for, for anyone who's thinking they should give their life to you and get baptized today, God, would you give them the courage to say there is no greater decision that could be made. There should be nothing that holds them back other than uh, this decision to follow you. Let them act on it, God. Let them act on it. 
and let the room be filled with celebration. It's in Jesus' name we pray together by saying, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com. Thank you.